Welcome, Alicia, to Wellness Spring. It's so lovely to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me, Beverly. I've been looking forward to it. Thank you. And I'm so grateful to our communal friend, Marion Mons, the founder of Ilanda Life in Monaco, for introducing us. Me too. Marion is wonderful value at what she does. She's terrific. So I'm delighted that we're connected. Yeah, and I know the two of you met in Moscow many moons ago. So, you know, it's we're all global travelers today. So the world is getting <laughs> smaller and smaller. So, dear friends, I but the I would like to announce that today I'm with an incredible soul, Alicia Young. And to be honest, I'm in awe of all her truly amazing achievements. And I'm sure you'll feel the same after this talk. Alicia is this, started her career as a social worker and crisis counselor in the areas of child protection and mental health. She did voluntary work in Calcutta for Mother Teresa, helping with leprosy and the dying destitute. And she's even written a book about it. Hang on. Mother Teresa effect, <laughs> which I absolutely <laughs> adore. So Alicia changed her careers and became a television journalist covering local, national and international news. She's contributed to the newsrooms around the world as an anchor, medical reporter and foreign correspondent. Alicia is a public speaker and gives talks on diversity and culture. And also she's an expat expert consultant and does talks and workshops in that area as well. And like myself, Alicia has lived in many countries and she is an award-winning, six times award-winning non-fiction book author and received personal thank you notes from the White House, which is incredible because I'm sure they're so super busy with emails every day. And her latest book, The Visit from Heaven, is a soul's message of love, loss and family. And I couldn't put it down. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's going to be in for a treat. But before we delve in that, Alicia, would you mind telling the audience about your background, your family, your education and so forth? Because I know this plays a big part in the book. Definitely. Thank you so much for your kind words, my goodness. I'm not at all sure that I deserve them, but I will try to live up to them. Um, thank you. Look, in a nutshell, I often say I live in the in-between, meaning that uh, I often grow up in, in sort of a passport to two worlds. Culturally, um, we had the influence of India and Australia. Um, in terms of religious influence, there was the Christianity and the Hinduism as well. Uh, one branch of the family are, are Hindu. Uh, but even the simple idea of motherhood, which you normally think of as a yes-no proposition, right? You're a mother or you're not. Even that was an area of my life where duality played out. Um, my husband, John, and I chose not to have children, though we absolutely love them. Um, 
but I ended up being an egg donor twice to two separate couples, each good friends. So while biologically I am a mother, I'm not a mother in any other sense. So I kind of feel caught a little bit in that as well, but in the best way. So that's a, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Wow. Well, do you get to see the children? Because obviously you were the egg donator to friends. Yes, I was a known egg donor in, in both cases. Uh, Rachel is now 23 and a healthcare worker. She's doing amazingly well. And Sam is almost 18 and ready to get out in the world as well. So a complete honour to watch them grow. Uh, we're in different states at the moment. There's a lot of people separated by COVID and things, as you well know. Um, but it's such a privilege that John and I just get to watch from the sidelines and, you know, offer our support and love that way. So it's a huge privilege. Wonderful. And you must be super excited because on your book, you have a testimony from Raymond Moody, which is on the front <laughs> cover and um, for the listeners, Raymond Moody is an expert for life after life, and he even coined the term near-death experience. So a great accolade for your book. I'm very, very fortunate. He's a rock star. You're absolutely right. He's a rock star in the field of near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. And so I was incredibly touched uh, that we that he ended up reading my book and very kindly gave me a quote. And now I'm a monthly columnist for him on his site, Life After Life. So I'm completely chuffed. <laughs> wow, congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank news. you. <laughs> Thank you. I, it's just a, a simple Q&A about soul planning and things. And I enjoy it very much. Fantastic. And I know you had a pivotal experience that led you down the path of so plans, would you like to elaborate? Thank you. Well, there was a couple of things when I look back, Beverly, that sort of other spiritual experiences that when I look back, I realized that they prepared me for this larger experience in my life. Uh, briefly, I met my guardian angel when I was three years old. And so I've had other experiences along. Let me add though, um, I'm not psychic or anything like that. All I can describe is that I'm perhaps open um, to different experiences. I don't have a sophisticated um, uh, theological uh, background or anything like that. I can't quote scripture or things like that, but I am open in some way. Briefly, what happened is that I have a dear friend, uh, Jane, who she and her partner have lovely twins, and they were delighted to find that she was pregnant again. But long story short, there were complications and Jane miscarried in her second trimester. And, you know, as a friend, you, you do what you can, you, but you want to be as supportive as possible. But at the same time, you know, there's really nothing that you can say or do that would ease that kind of grief. It was sometime after that that I had what's called an, an out-of-body experience, um, and which I found myself on a beach. I had been just reading on the sofa at home. Um, we just moved house. I was surrounded by cardboard boxes and packing, and I thought I'll just take a break. And I was reading on the sofa, and I looked up, 
and I found myself on a beach. And I often think of it this way. If you've ever done a cross-country train trip, you might start, get lost in a book. You know, you're, you're thinking about the book, you're reading, and you look up and then you realise, oh, wow, we're in the country now. We've left the city or I can see the beach or something. Your scenery has changed. And that's how it felt for me. And so I found myself on the beach. Um, there was a sunset to one side. It was lovely pinks and oranges. And on the other side, was sand dunes and I took this in for a moment sorry my heart races a bit when this happens I took this in for a moment and I thought this is beautiful and then logic kicked in and I thought I need a hat because um, I have cloasma it's kind of a hyperpigmentation that I need to be really vigilant about avoiding sun and so I thought I need a hat as I thought that I felt a little tug on my tunic and I turned around and there was a little boy of about four or five. And he said, we don't have cloasma here. And I laughed, I'm sorry, I laughed. And I said, that's a big word for a little boy. And he said, what age would you prefer I'd be? Yeah. And I just knew in that moment, there was no logic to it, but I knew that he was Jane's son. And he showed me many things, um, and the most pivotal being his sole plan session. I got to watch as he chose his parents, his siblings, and even his birth order. And at the very end of it, I said to him, why me? Why come to me? And he said, because you're open. And he said he'd been trying to send his mother messages of love. <laughs> Her grief was so deep that it blinded her to the signs that he was sending. So I was no more than a go-between, no more than a go-between, but I felt incredibly privileged. Wow, wow. My heart goes out to you and to the parents because I know it would have been very difficult for you to explain this to them and have them think maybe that you're crazy or something like that. You know. Well, I'm very grateful that I've, I've you look, you're right. And all those things went through my mind, like, how is this going to sound? You know, I mean, you don't just ring up someone and say, by the way, I mean, how do you do it? But also what I realized, Beverly, was it was not my right to keep that experience to myself. I was only a go-between. This was not about me. This was between um, a grieving mother and her little boy. And I had no right to not pass it on. I was just very fortunate that they were very gracious about receiving the message. Um, I think Joe, uh, the little boy's uh, father, I think Joe listened politely. It's not really his thing and I respect that. Uh, but Jane, she said that she just felt it intuitively that it resonated for her. So I was relieved and grateful for that. And what a gift because now you've written the book and you can help so many other people that have experienced miscarriages and stillborns and things like that. So would yes, you, it absolutely was a gift. Would, would you like to tell the listeners what is a soul plan? Thank you. A soul plan, uh, very briefly, is a framework, a celestial blueprint, if you like, of the, the life that we plan 
before we get here. So maybe if you don't mind, I should take a step back. I believe, and I respect it's not be, may not be everybody's cup of tea, but I believe that when we die, we pass over to the other side, whether you call that heaven or the afterlife, whatever works for you. And that we are met first and foremost by our loved ones, a joyful reunion of loved ones who've gone before us. I believe that after that, I will see a, what's called a life review. And a life review is sort of, you know, you often hear that the cliche, my life uh, flashed before me. Some people with near-death experiences describe kind of a panorama of different images around them, a movie playing out. But when I see, when I see my movie, I don't expect to watch it passively. I expect to see in this movie of a life review all the times that I have maybe hurt someone from the other person's point of view, all the times I've been impatient, but also all the times that I have brought joy to others or have shared something or shown patience instead of impatience. And it's from that life review, uh, and I say this respectfully, I know a lot of us believe in the judgment day where a deity says you've been good, you've been bad, you're in or you're out. My experience was that we experience that for ourselves that we look at our life review and say you know what I might get to mind Beverly and say you know what um I could have been more patient or maybe I was a little too attached to status symbols like designer cars or clothes or whatever so next time I might choose a circumstance where I get to experience a different way of being so it's not a case about punishing each other or punishing ourselves but experiencing something different. What I experienced with the little boy whom I call Bobby in the book, um, Bob, I saw that Bobby chose his parents. He chose them for their incomplete generosity of spirit, for all the things that they could show him. I saw that he chose his siblings and that they chose him. I think that really blew me away is that we're used to thinking about having free will here on earth. You know, whether we marry, whether we travel, what, whether we become a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, we have choices as, as adults. I guess I didn't realize that we have free will on the other side as well and that we choose our parents, but they choose us. We choose siblings and they choose us. And then finally, that we choose uh, things called life themes or and soul contracts to help that play out. Because I believe that we come here to learn. And let me say too, that we life lessons are not just about negatives to be endured, but there's lots of amazing positive life lessons like unconditional love, like forgiveness, all these things that can that can help us spiritually, sure, but are just incredibly beautiful things to experience. It's not all a school of hard knocks, not by a long way. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do get excited. So yeah, I need no. to let you get a word in, I apologize. No, it's wonderful with your passion. It's, it's great and it's good that you mentioned the positivity and the forgiveness. And um, I know I read that you said that when a soul suffers, it's not really about the suffering, it's about the lessons they learn or Very other much. people yes. around them learn. Yes, absolutely. And we always, we always learn in concert with others. We always choose life themes that dovetail with someone else. For example, um, I might choose a life theme of self-worth. 
And I think, you know what, I want to come here this time and learn about my worth, learn what it feels like to have low self-esteem and then higher self-esteem, knowing my worth, independent of the opinion of others around me. Now, if I wanted to learn about self-worth, I could choose to be born into a family where it's a group of cheerleaders who praise my every move. And while that sounds like an easy ride, I'm not sure I would learn as much. But if I contracted with, say, a parent or even an older sibling to say, look, I'm going to be working on, on self-worth. I am asking you in our relationship as I grow up to be maybe critical of my life choices, maybe whether I marry, who I marry, who, what I become after school. I'm going to ask you to question that. And by doing that, by being critical of me, you are giving me a gift. I can either choose to believe uh, your impression of me, or I can find it within myself to learn my own worth independent of the opinions of others. That's huge. I mean, there's many different life themes. There's, um, you know, to be to be a victim, to be a perpetrator, to be a winner. There are just so many different life themes, but they always dovetail with other people's. So as we grow and learn, they grow and learn. Wow. And um, in your book, you mentioned soul groups. So I guess everybody meets together because you know, I don't think it's just as simple as saying, right, I want to learn this theme. You know, there's a lot of planning with other people around it as well and what effect that, that has on the whole family. Very much, absolutely. Um, and people who, again, who've had near-death experiences who have also gone to the other side, talk about these soul groups. It can be as many as dozens of people or even a couple of hundred people where we assume different roles for our mutual growth. And let me add, we plan these, these events and themes in our life, uh, not for the suffering that it entails, but for the spiritual growth it affords. For example, I might be in a relationship where I am choosing to, this next upcoming life, I'm choosing a soul plan or designing a soul plan where I want to feel what it's like to uh, experience physical limitations, either through ill health or through a physical disability. I will contract with usually a parent to be a caregiver. And in that time, we're going to learn from each other. So I'm going to learn what it's like to have that physical limitation. They're going to know what it's like to have the impact of caring for me as I'm growing up, not just as a child of myself, but perhaps one of several children. That parent has a chance to learn and grow and stretch in myriad ways, as do I and as do, as do everyone else in my family. When we get back to the other side, I believe we will take off that mask, that, that character that I'm playing and say, look at what we did. You know, we experienced this and we might choose either the next lifetime or several lifetimes distant to say, you know what, this time I'm going to be the caregiver and I'm going to look after you, whether it's through a congenital disability, whether it's through an accident. It's not about payback. It's about experiencing the other side, being responsible for someone, thinking that if I, I need to be organised, I need to be a loving advocate for your needs. And so we get to play these different roles. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And I know <laughs> I, it's um, 
Well, I guess it depends on what lessons you need to learn and who's in your soul group and making the plan. And I, I know I read something about um, if you choose to come to the planet with um, a disability, then you're an advanced soul. Very much. Oh my goodness. And that was my experience too on the other side is seeing this little soul uh, look at weighing up, you know, uh, coming with a disability. I remember as a child, Beverly, I, my school fence uh, boarded the, uh, the fence of a, a school for children with disabilities. And as a little one, I did feel, I felt pity. I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but I did. I felt sorry for them. And now as an adult, I look and think, oh my goodness, you are so advanced to be able to consider this in the first place. And I look at them and I look at their parents with deep respect. Um, for what they have what they have designed in their soul plan to deal with this time round, it gives me a lot of pause. Wow, it's it, I guess it has changed your outlook on life completely. Very much, yes. I um, I saw on the other side watching Bobby's soul plan session. I saw people come together in marriage. The souls that would be his parents. Um, I saw how much we have to learn from each other and how brave frankly how brave we are to come here in the first place uh, I also experienced a, a, a tremendous love and support that a soul experiences when they're designing this I saw angels in the I guess to me the traditional Christian sense of, of wings and things I, I respect other people could experience something totally different but I saw angels I saw spirit guides whose job it was to lovingly poke and prod the soul as they're weighing up their you know what's coming up in their life and and all I can say is it's such incomparable support there that we almost have a um, an idea of bring it on, you know, let's pack our 80 or 90 years on earth with lots of lessons. So I guess I'm saying, if you ever feel, my goodness, life is going, you know, there's too much going on, I need to catch a break, play the what if game. What if I designed the circumstance? What if the person who's bringing me pain is doing so because I've scripted it that way. Uh, let me add though, if I may, I'm often asked, well, okay, if we if we design our, our soul plans and I've scripted with people to have soul contracts and all the rest of it, what about people who are abused? What about domestic violence? Are you saying um, that they deserve that? No way, no one ever deserves to be abused. I know that's obvious, but please humor me just to let me say that. What I, what I do believe and what I have seen is that there are circumstances when people say, you know what, um, I'm going to work on anger management this time around. I'm going to work on my temper, on how I deal with this earthly experience called anger. I'm going to deal with impulse control. Someone else might join them as a sibling, as a, as a child, as a partner, whatever, and say, I'm working on emotional independence. Let's come together and see how we do with each other and how we grow. So if someone comes to deal with anger, it's never to indulge it. Beverly, our life theme is never planned to be indulged. It's planned to be overcome. 
but of course we get here and we're human and we do you know we might have an anger issue or we might seek um uh comfort in in alcohol or recreational drugs or things that we might see as less than ideal uh, but the universe gives us this amazing canvas on which to paint our lives and have lots of experiences fantastic and i know you mentioned that um, when we come to Earth, we go through a veil of forgetfulness. So we forget yes. what our contracts are, because um, yes. I guess if we know what we're here to work out, we could try and do it in one quick fix, and then and then what? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it um, is. Can we change, because you talked about themes earlier, can we change our themes when we come here or change our life plan, soul plan when we come here? My understanding is that, that yes, we can, because the, the gift from the universe, first and foremost, is one of free will. We only come here in the first place, I believe, if we choose to. It is our choice and our free will to come here. If I, if I say my soul plan, I'm going to, to plan certain events, I get here and I always have every day that I'm alive, I have a different way of being or talking or engaging with new people that can set me on a new path. So absolutely, we always have the choice to be aware of our soul plan and look at uncovering it. Or we can kind of feel like other people feel like we're a leaf blowing in the wind with no particular way and, and every day is a new beginning. I happen to believe that we have a divine, intricate plan just for us, that we are co-creators, just, just you and the universe partnering on your life right here, right now. And that's huge. It's just the most incredible gift. People say, you know, why would anyone plan um, poverty or anything, you know, abject poverty or difficult circumstances? or even a terminal illness. And it always comes back for me to something very simple and very potent. And that is when you're planning this on the other side, eternity, then a lifetime of 80 or 90 years is the blink of an eye. So let's pack it full of experiences because we know we'll be home so soon. Fantastic. And, um... You talk about soul contracts as well. What, what does that mean? A soul contract essentially is an agreement with another soul for our mutual learning. So, for example, when I said earlier about the a life theme of self-worth, of self I may choose with, to ask a soul that's going to be my mother or an older sister or someone else in my life to actually be critical of me, to give me opportunities to either accept that definition or to rise up against it. And in doing so, to experience what it's like to have solid self-esteem and self-love. Something I do in my workshops is people say, well, why come here? You know, heaven is all, the afterlife is so amazing. Why would you come? And I say, well, the afterlife is about the absolute, and here is about duality, up and down, good and bad. Authors like Neil Donald Walsh have talked a lot about that. Imagine for a moment that you have attended the finest medical school on earth. You know, everything there is to know about the human body, you know, everything about ease and disease and good health. 
So you know all the theory, but you don't know the practice. You have never met a patient. You've never poked and prodded one and taken a blood test. And you've certainly never wheeled one into surgery. So even though you have all the theory, the practice and the experience is lacking, the practical experience. That's why I believe we come here. I can go, I can be up on the other side saying, I'm loved, I am loved. Or I can come down here and experience what it is to give love and to receive love from others. I hope that makes sense. Oh, that was a wonderful explanation. I was getting goosebumps as you were saying it. It was fantastic. And um, yeah, life is about experiences. And I often say to people, you know, you have to embody the experience. And because I believe similar to you that when I die, it's only my physical body that dies. And then my soul or life force essence, um, spirit goes back to the universe. And yes. when we spoke before, I told you I was blessed to have a life between life session with Paul Arant, who worked with Michael oh, yes. Newton. And it's, um, it was an incredible experience. And, you know, it's, it is like watching a video and time just goes like that. I was having a session, it was five hours and it only spent about, felt like about five, 10 minutes, you know. But, wow, um, a five-hour session, and it went so quickly because you got did. so much out of it. Yes, yes. And um, what, what I wanted to chat with you about is exit points, because I think mm -hmm. those are quite good for people to know as well. Sure. Well, I believe that everything is in divine and perfect order, even when we, all the positives in our life, but also all the challenges as well are, are unfolding as they should. And so because the other side is a place of divine and perfect order, things happen in balance. We choose entry points, which is naturally the, the people that we're born to, the family, the circumstances, the culture, the presence or absence of a faith. Um, all these things are, form part of our entry point into the world. And by divine order, we also choose our exit points. Now, the spiritual literature, um, again, Raymond Moody, uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson and others have talked about um, cases where people choose about half a dozen exit points, five or six exit points seems to be the number. Um, now, they're not spread out uniformly. Every five years, you will have a potential exit point. It's, but it's about saying, you know what, it's a chance for the soul to say, I think I've learned enough this time around. Will we always be learning? Absolutely. But right here, right now, it's an opportunity for the, for the soul to say, enough. Now, common exit points, of course, are terminal illnesses, um, car accidents, and even, you know, at the other side of it is so-called freak accidents as well, which we hear about in the news. Um, our exit points, whatever we choose, obviously, we just have one final exit point. Whatever we choose, it's never done in isolation. It always dovetails with spiritual gifts for other people. For example, my father died um, three years ago. He was 94, almost 95. He, so his exit point was in advanced old age. Um, he had dementia. But I used to think that dad's, dad's passing for us, Beverly, was such a, a, a series of spiritual gifts because he, was a, he had a quiet dignity 
My father carried himself with quiet dignity. And so to see him eventually have to be in a nursing home where people bathed him, cared for him, I knew what that meant for him to be able to deal with that. So to us, firstly, for us to witness that taught us enormous reserves about dignity and love, but in the roles that we all played for him and helping to care for him, to be lovingly fierce advocates for his needs, it stretched us in myriad ways as well. So we found ourselves doing things we were uncomfortable with. And I used to, I did used to get mad with God and the universe sometimes. And I would say, my goodness, you can hear him calling out that he wants to go home. Sorry. please could he just let him go home because his body is so tired and guess what I realized what if God in the universe was lovingly honoring my father's soul plan by saying no I could call you home right now or I could just leave you here a little bit longer because look at everyone you're teaching not one of us was left unaffected by how my father passed and I would like to think it opened portals in my heart and mind into how I care for others in that circumstance moving forward so we're always dovetailing with others how we come into this world and how we leave it I've had clients say to me and I don't want to sound flippant about this for a moment but clients have said to me my cancer diagnosis was a gift because I get to tidy my affairs I get to repair relationships I get to make sure that nothing is left unsaid versus a random exit point in a car accident where sometimes things are left unsaid so this the universe is always gifting us opportunities to grow yeah and um, going back to our different themes and our lessons I know um, obviously you all your family needed to learn something about your dad and compassion and things. And also with your themes, because you mentioned about being in the, um, with your sister and you could have had a car accident or some sort of accident. And later yes. on, that would have affected your mother's reaction to you for being with her and, you know, yes. rejection. Do you want to explain a bit more about that? Thank you. Um, I had an experience separate to the little boy where I was driving home one day and uh, I began to see images in front of me and I had to pull aside. In a nutshell, I was shown an exit point or rather a potential exit point of my younger sister. We had been driving home uh, one evening, um, early evening, and we were going down a hill and my brakes began to fail. And we were going down toward a, a path with wooden posts all around it. And I thought, oh my goodness, we are going to hit that and I can't control this. I was shown in that moment that that was a potential exit point for my sister. And that if it, thankfully we, we uh, survived the accident and we were fine. But I was shown in that moment, Beverly, that that was a potential exit point for her. And had she died, it was me that, sorry, it was me that would have been responsible for her death. And I was shown that even though my family and friends in that moment said and did all the right things, that they harbored resentment inside, just playing out, just being human, playing it out. And that 
my mother in particular would have struggled to to understand how it happened and would harbour resentment. Now, this didn't play out because we walked away, thank goodness. But I was shown in that moment that I had agreed, well, firstly, that she had agreed this was a potential exit point for her and that I had agreed to be part of that. And I was shown in this experience that I didn't, I would not have coped with it well. I was shown that I took to alcohol to uh, numb my grief and guilt. And I saw myself in later life with no partner. I guess I didn't marry or share some, have someone to share my life with. So it was a very difficult circumstance. But I share it because it just shows you that uh, the way that we pass, just like the way we arrive here, the way that we pass is packed full of spiritual lessons for us, but for everyone who knows us as well. So it was a difficult thing to see at the time, but I'm very grateful for it. Wow. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm glad for you sharing the lessons because I'm sure a lot of people listening will benefit from it. Um, did you want to share what you think your life lessons are, why you came here, if it's not too Thank painful? Thank you. I think... Thank you. No, no, it's fine. I think often we we build in a primary and a secondary life theme, and they kind of design to to build to kind of grate against each other a little bit for extra learning. I think one of mine is courage, and another is rejection. Um, very briefly, I, I say just very briefly at the end of the book, I reported someone uh, known to me who was a risk to children. Now I'll do it again in a heartbeat. It's just, it's just what I had to do, but it came at a tremendous cost. Um, I believe that part of my life theme is courage in speaking out, um, uh, but also the possibility of when you speak out that you can experience rejection by uh, people you love or people who know you um, again I'll do it again it's not about being a hero it's about being able to look at yourself in the mirror and think I did you know I hope to I did the right thing uh, but I know that I designed this so even when I lost people I loved through having spoken up about the truth and reporting this person um, it was by divine design I believe that in a past life, um, and look, the year after that, Beverly was the worst and darkest of my life. But even as I experienced that, something inside me said, you chose this. Not in a punitive way, like wagging a finger, but you chose this. And I felt deeply, and I still feel, that in a past life, I either witnessed some sort of abuse and stayed silent. And this time around, the universe was not looking to punish me. The universe was saying, going to give you another chance to find your voice. Let's have a course correction. Let's have another try. And thankfully, I'm glad to say that no matter what other mistakes I've made in my life, I, I, I think that I... I got a handle on this particular one this time. <laughs> so that was it. But I think when we look at soul plans of what if what what if what if I planned this event? What if I planned this relationship? We move from victim where things are happening to us to a designer of our soul plan where just it's a much more empowering position. Yeah, because I guess, you know, even though your theme was courage and speaking up you could have 
chose because of not wanting people close to you to reject you to keep quiet and then you wouldn't have learned yes. that lesson you wouldn't have that spiritual growth but absolutely um, a thought just came to me it's interesting that you um, chose to start your career in child protection so yes. <laughs> and then yes, we, I have to wonder <laughs> and then you moved to journalism um, on the front of people's TVs and speaking out to, about different things. So, you know, I'm sure you're well ahead of learning your lessons and- um, <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. Thank you. And would you, um, I know that you, in the book you say that you reflect every day um, on your life, in your, on your daily life. Can you let the audience yes. know how that, we can benefit from doing something like that? Sure. Look, I think they're very simple things, but I have just, I'm talking to you in my study at the moment, and I have two little signs on my computer. One says life review. The life review is what we talked about earlier when we get a replay. And I think, oh, if that, that helps me think, okay, if I'm angry about something or angry with someone right now, if I can hold my tongue now, <laughs> I won't have to relive that when I get to the other side. And so I think every day about my life with you, am I hoping to do a little bit better today than perhaps yesterday? The other little sign I have is two words, actor factor. I believe that we're here almost playing a character. You know, like Shakespeare said, all the world is a stage. I believe our soul plan, we design it there, but we come here and we play it out, each playing a character. Right here, right now, this lifetime round, uh, my character is Alicia. I'm one of nine children uh, growing up in Australia from Indian heritage. That's the absolute basis of my character. So when I remember the actor factor, if something, something happens today where someone hurts me deeply, I try to remember, look, we're all just playing roles right now. None of it is going to last. Everything about it is temporary. So I can either try to release it or hold on to it for no particular gain. So that act, the actor factor and the life review is something I think about every day. That's fantastic. And how can people get hold of you and maybe book a consultation and find out about all the other lovely work you do and buy one of your lovely books because you've got so oh thank you so Beverly. many books uh, thank you the, the easiest way to contact me is my author page which is simply alicia young author on facebook uh, or my website is soulplans.net so either of those alicia young author soulplans.net will find me so thank you very much fantastic and um, if someone can you talk us through a small consultation or what can people expect if they come to talk to you about soul planning great question a soul plan session i mean some people will just come once because they're simply curious about it others will book a short series it's always a person's choice um, let me add, it is not a psychic session, uh, not a psychic reading. I have nothing against clairvoyance or clair, clair mediumship, but it's not about that. We spend the first half hour really looking at the key people and events in your life, looking at your family of origin, looking at key events, a partner, any children, of course. And then the second half of the session is really exploring your life themes and your soul contracts. And there is a saying that 
the people who hurt us the most are our greatest teachers. And it's just an interesting way to look at our relationships through the events of soul planning, shifting from this is happening to me to what if this is all unfolding by my design? And it puts us in a much more powerful position to understand. And, and looking at things through a soul plan perspective can really take the sting out of painful relationships and events. So it's just a little taste of what we do. That's fantastic. And um, because you've lived in other countries and I know you do the work with expats, how can you help people there? Oh, we often do Zoom. So I'm based in Adelaide, Australia. We meet uh, in person, but of course, um, I offer Zoom sessions as well, and we can talk just as we're talking now, and we get to see each other and and just have that time together as if we were in person. So that's a very handy thing to be able to offer. <laughs> Wonderful. So on that note, thank you so much, Alicia, for all your wonderful sharings today. And I'm going to make note of all those tips and look at my life. And I think I need to book a live session with you to look at my life. So thank that you. That sounds amazing, Beverly. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed it.